So the stock market is still the easiest way to get rich. Now, it might not be the fastest, but if you think about it, investing in the stock market, you can still build and maintain your wealth. You can create a passive income stream. And you can also invest for your retirement because you don't, of course, want to work your whole life. If you look at some of the billionaires that we know in today's day and age, billionaires such as Warren Buffett, Armencio Ortega, Carlos Slim, even Bill Gates, they all have a good chunk of their wealth invested in the stock market. And they're pretty much just living off the proceeds and the dividends that they get from their investments. Some of the companies that they invest in are companies such as Apple, Microsoft, Coca-Cola. These are companies that you and myself have access to invest in also because these are publicly traded companies. If you think about Warren Buffett, he made all of his billions from investing in the stock market. It did not come from real estate. It did not come from crypto. It literally just came from investing in the stock market. That's why today I want to talk about the four different ways that you can make money by investing in the stock market. And at the end, I'll also have a bonus. Another way that you can make some passive income with investments that you already own. So some of the benefits of investing in the stock market is that, first of all, it's extremely easy to get started investing in the stock market. It's even easier than getting into real estate or even starting your own business. Because all you need is a brokerage account or an investment account and some money deposited in that account in order to get started. Now, you don't even need that much money in, in your brokerage account because you don't have to buy a whole share or a bunch of stocks. You can literally buy a fraction of a share. So you don't need a lot of money. Another benefit also is that you can invest anywhere in the world as long as you have an internet connection and you have access to your brokerage account or investment account. So you can have your phone with you, you can be on vacation. And as long as you can log into your brokerage account and you have that internet connection, of course, you can buy and sell securities in the form of stocks, of course. Now, another benefit is that you are your own boss. So this might be a good thing, this might be a bad thing, but for most of us, it's going to be a good thing. You can decide what your investing style is. So if you're the type of investor that's more on the, the day trading side, so buying and selling at a frequent basis, or you're more of an um, investor that likes to go after growth stocks, so stocks in the tech sector, or you're more of a value investor, a buy and hold investor. You can decide what type of investor you are. So you have control over your future. And then the last benefit, of course, also is that you have a couple of bragging rights also. If you're the type of investor that likes to invest in individual companies, just like myself, let's say you bought Apple on Monday, and then a week later, the next Monday, Apple went up by 10% over that course of a week. You can go to your friends or family members and start bragging to them about, okay, look at my Apple stock. It just went up by 10%. You have that bragging right that, you know, will make them a little bit jealous. They might look at you and you ask them like, okay, what did you do the whole week? Well, you, I just went to work, of course. So you also have some bragging rights and people will start asking you questions if they see that you're doing pretty well with your investments. The first method to make money in the stock market is through capital gains. Now, the easiest one to understand is buy low, sell high. So you buy a stock at a specific price and you sell it at a higher price and the difference is your profit. Now, a stock, of course, represents ownership. So whenever you're buying a stock, 
you own a piece of the company that you just bought. You're a shareholder or you're a stockholder. Now, those two words, shares and stocks, when I first got introduced to the investing world, I had to figure out, okay, why are those being used interchangeably? Because there is a difference. A share is a single unit. A stock could be a single unit or it could also be multiple units. So you would say, I own one share in Coke or I own 10 shares in Procter & Gamble. Or you could also say, I own stock in Coca-Cola and I own stock in Procter & Gamble. So the best way to remember this is that you own shares of stock in a specific company. Now, going back to capital gains, buy low, sell high. Let's say I bought Coke, one Coke share at $55. A week later, it goes up to 60 bucks. I sell it. I just made a profit of five bucks. It went from 55 bucks to 60. I sell it. The difference, five bucks, that's my profit. Now, when it comes to capital gains, because the word capital gain is you buy the Coke at five, 55 bucks, it went up to 60 bucks. My capital gained in value. It went from 55 to 60. So I have a capital gain of five bucks. My capital gain is still something called unrealized if it's still trading in the market. Because when your investments are still in the stock market, they have the potential to go up, down, or sideways. Your capital gain, which is unrealized, becomes a realized capital gain when you sell your stock. So once your Coke goes from 55 to 60, it's still an unrealized gain because it's still in trading in the market. I sell it at 60, it becomes a realized gain. The second method of making money in the stock market is through short selling or selling short. Now, this is the opposite of buy low, sell high. And this is more of a riskier technique. It's more of an advanced technique. Buy low, sell high, the opposite. With short selling, you're selling high and buying low. And the difference is your profit. Let me explain with an example that's outside of the stock market. Then I'll bring it back to the stock market. So let's say you have a friend, one of your best friends. He just bought a PlayStation and he's playing the video games on it. He enjoys it. He talks to you about it. And you tell him, you know what? I'm interested also. Let me go ahead and and borrow your PlayStation. So he lends his PlayStation to you. And you're a horrible friend because you needed some money. And you end up selling his PlayStation for 500 bucks. A day or two later, your friend comes up to you. And he he talks to you about the PlayStation and the games. He asks you, oh, how how is everything going with with the games? And you're telling him like, oh, it's perfect. I love the PlayStation. I love the games. I'm thinking about buying my own. He tells you, okay, cool. I still want to go ahead and play my game. So can you bring back the PlayStation before the end of the week? Now you start to panic because you already sold the PlayStation and you're scrambling around. You're going to different stores and you happen to go to one store that sells new PlayStations at 200 bucks. You're like, perfect. Because I sold it for 500 bucks. I can buy it for 200. So you buy a new PlayStation for 200 bucks. You give it to your friend and you just made a profit of 300 bucks. So you sold it at a high price of 500 bucks. You bought it back at 200 bucks. The difference, 300 bucks, that's your profit. Bringing that to the stock market. Now your brokerage account will potentially charge you some fees, of course. And they will borrow those shares from investors that are with the company or even investors that are outside of the company. Now the tricky thing about selling short, because this of course is a risky method of making money in the stock market 
at least with buy low, sell high, the only money that you can lose is the money that you've invested into the stock market. So let's say you invested 500 bucks into the stock market, one company, and that company end up, ends up going bankrupt. You only out that 500 bucks that you invested. But with short selling, your losses could be unlimited. So for example, let's say you, you sold, you, did, you were participating in short selling, and you did a short sale on Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola was trading at 55 bucks. You think that Coca-Cola is going to drop to 40 bucks so you can buy it back and make that profit. That between 40 and 55, that's the profit that you're making at 15 bucks. But what actually ends up happening is that instead of Coca-Cola going down, the price actually goes up. So from 55, it's not going to 40. It's actually going to 60, 70, 80, 90. So as you can see, your losses are going to be unlimited because you still have to buy it back. The third way to make money in the stock market is through dividends. And this is more of a passive income method of making money. Companies, not all companies, but a lot of blue chip companies, companies that are well established, they might pay out a dividend. Companies sell goods and services and a portion of their profits, a portion of that net income is distributed to their shareholders in the form of a dividend. This is also one of my favorite ways of making money in the stock market. And I have my own rules on analyzing specific companies to see how they pay their dividend and if they're increasing the dividend. Because something that's extremely important to me is that companies that do pay a dividend, they need to be consistent with the dividends that they pay. And the dividend payment needs to grow faster than inflation year over year. That's the requirement that I have for these companies. So the fourth method to make money in the stock market is through options trading. Now, options trading can get a little bit confusing, but I'm going to try to keep it simple and explain it in a way that's simple to understand by talking about the call option method. Let's say you own 100 shares of stock in Coke. You bought Coke for 55 bucks. You're making money from Coke because Coke pays a dividend. They pay a dividend every quarter. So every quarter you're getting dividend checks, you're getting dividend payments, but you're not satisfied. You want to make even more money from your shares of stock and coke. So what you end up doing is you end up writing an options contract. You end up writing a contract. So in that contract, you're pretty much saying that I'm willing to sell my share, my 100 shares in coke at 60 bucks, 60 bucks also called the strike price. The reason why I say 100 shares of stock is because the options contract is usually a lot of 100 shares. Now, if the buyer of this option contract agrees with my contract, he has to pay me a premium. Now, a premium might be $1 per share on this options contract. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app, or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. for my 100 shares in coke now the premium could be influenced by a multitude of things 
if the options contract is for a stock that is popular, it's going to have an impact on the value of the premium. The closer the actual price of the stock is to the strike price, that means that the premium is usually going to be higher. But let's stick with one buck for one share in Coke. And an options contract, it's a lot of 100. So we're getting a premium of 100 bucks directly deposited into our brokerage account. So let's talk about how the seller is making money then. So I'm the seller in this case. If Coke, which I bought for 55 bucks, never went up to the strike price, which is 65, more than likely the buyer is not going to execute the options trade because why buy Coke at 65 when it's trading below 65? So I just made some additional money without even selling my shares in Coke because I still own the shares and I made a quick 100 bucks. Now, even if the options contract did get executed, I would still make some money because let's say I bought it at 55 and then the stock went up to 60 and it went past 60. The options contract gets executed and the buyer buys my 100 shares at 60 bucks. I still made a profit of 500 bucks plus the additional 100 bucks because I bought it at 55. It went up to 60. So that's a $5 increase. I own 100 shares in Coke. So five times 100, that's, I made a profit of 500 bucks plus the premium, the $100 premium. So I just made a profit of 600 bucks. From the buyer side, I'm already $100 short. I'm already $100 in the hole because I had to pay that as a premium to the seller. Now, if Coke never goes up to 60, I'm not gonna execute that options trade because why buy Coke at 60 when it's trading under 60? But here's the cool thing. If Coke goes up from 55 to 60, I execute the trade and it ends up going to 65. Now I just potentially made $400 in profit because let's look at this. So Coke went from 55 to 60. I execute the trade as the buyer and then it goes from 60 to 65. Now, I just made a $5 profit per share and I own 100 shares. So that's 500 bucks. It's still unrealized, of course. So I end up selling at 65. Now, I just made a quick profit of 400 bucks. Why? Because that 500 bucks minus the premium of 100 bucks gives me that $400 in profit. That's pretty much how you want to look at options trading simplified. And the bonus method that I want to mention when it comes to making some additional income with the stocks that you already own. And you, this is a passive income method. And you can already make some passive income by investing in dividend paying stocks. But with this method, this method is called stock lending. So you can lend out the stocks that you own for, for example, short selling. Now, you do want to be careful with this method because if you own stocks that do pay a dividend, you want to make sure that you will still get the dividend payment if you're lending out your stock. Every brokerage firm is a little bit different, so definitely double check with your brokerage firm and make sure that you aren't taxed in a different manner when it comes to this. Because I've noticed that with Robinhood, you can do stock lending because there are some differences between those two brokerage firms and how they go about stock lending. So definitely make sure that you double check the fine print on stock lending. Now, this will not make you a millionaire, of course, but it is a quick way to make some additional passive income. 
Now let's talk about investing in mutual funds, ETFs, index funds, and even bonds. Now what are these funds actually? The best way to look at them and to think about them is that you have a pool of different investors' money. That money gets invested into different securities by a fund or money manager. Different securities such as stocks, bonds, commodities, etc. Or even a combination of those. Now, the benefit of this is that if you think about it, you might be an investor that does not want to invest in an individual stock. Or you might be an investor that likes to invest in individual stocks, but you need something that's maybe a little bit more safer, maybe a little bit more diversified. That's where these funds come into play. So when you invest in individual stocks, yes, it's extremely exciting because it's high risk, high reward, right? So you can see your stocks shoot up to the moon, but you can also easily see them come crashing down. A lot of investors cannot stomach seeing their investment portfolio dip down by 30%, maybe even 40%. And if you think about it also, when you invest in individual stocks, there's a lot of research that comes into play and a lot of analysis, also called fundamental analysis. This is where you look at the financial metrics of a company to see how profitable that company is. So you might look at the, the net income that a company generates, the return on invested capital, the return on equity, the gross profits. Investing in a fund gives you immediate diversification. That's one of the benefits compared to investing in individual stocks. So let's say you invest in an ETF that invests in different companies in the tech sector. You have immediate diversification in tech stocks, which you don't have when you invest in individual companies. Or you have an index fund that invests in the companies that are in the S&P 500. You have that immediate diversification. Another benefit is that index fund, mutual fund, even ETF investing is a passive way of investing. When you have to analyze stocks, you're actively doing the research, analyzing these companies. But investing in a fund, it's a more passive way of investing because you have a bunch of money that you just put into your brokerage account and at the right time you just put money into that, into buying that ETF, index fund, mutual fund, etc. Another benefit of investing in a fund is that the research has already been done for you. And the research is also still being done by the fund manager to make sure that the correct companies are in that fund that you're investing in. This makes it extremely easy because all you have to do is make sure that you're investing in the correct fund. Now, in order to get that confidence to know that you're investing in the correct fund, you need to look at the track record and the history of how that fund has performed. That will give you the confidence to make sure that that fund will perform well into the future. Now, the future is always unpredictable, of course, anything can happen, but looking at the history and also looking at the fund manager's performance, how long has the fund manager been in the business, how many different funds is he or she managing, that will all give you the confidence to make sure that, yes, this is the fund that I want to invest in. So some of the disadvantages of investing in a fund is that you're pretty much taking your hard-earned money and you're giving it to a fund manager and you're telling the fund manager, here, go ahead. Take my money and invest it. And for that privilege, you will pay the fund manager a fee, of course. Some investors don't like that. They still like to be hands-off with their investing, investing in individual companies, day trading, swing trading, etc. Another disadvantage of investing in a fund 
is that you might not pay attention to what you're actually investing in. So there is a list of companies that you will be invested in, but you might not see that full list up front. If you are morally against specific businesses or business practices, let's say you don't like weapon sales or you don't like for-profit prison systems or you're against CBD. You want to make sure that the fund that you're investing in is not invested in those companies. Nowadays with technology, it's pretty easy to get a full list of the companies in a specific fund because all you have to do is go to the company's website, get a full list of the companies in the fund, or you can even request it from the website. You could also go to the SEC website and put in the, the ticker symbol of the fund and get a list of all the companies in that specific fund. But that's something that you definitely need to pay attention to. If there are some things that you're against, make sure that you're not investing in those types of companies. Even when I look at my investing strategy, I love investing in individual companies. I like doing the research and putting them in my watch list. And I have a watch list of over 50 companies that I keep an eye on and I buy them whenever they're selling at a discount, whenever the value is there, preferably different paying companies. But I also have different funds that I invest in, different ETFs, different index funds. And it makes my portfolio balanced because there's instant diversification when I invest in the ETFs and index funds. But then I also have the individual funds where I'm making some passive income through my dividend paying stocks. Why do index funds and ETFs reign supreme over mutual funds on average? It's because of two things, the fees and the performance. Let's look at the fees first. And whenever I'm talking about the fees, I'm specifically talking about the expense ratio. Now, the expense ratio can cover a multitude of fees. Fees such as administrative fees, operating costs, commissions, advertising. These are fees that you will have to pay as an investor. On average, a mutual fund has a much higher fee and expense ratio than an index fund or an ETF that you're investing in. Mutual funds are actively managed by the fund manager, which means that the fund manager does all the research, the buying and the selling of all the securities in that specific fund and all the fees associated with the buying, selling, administrative costs, etc., etc., even paying the fund manager's bonus, that's all being paid by you. Now, with a index fund or an ETF, those usually track a underlying asset. So for example, if you're investing in an index fund that tracks all the companies in the S&P 500, the fee is going to be a lot lower because all that fund does is mirror all the companies in the S&P 500. When you look at a mutual fund, you could easily see fees in the 1% or even higher. But when it comes to index funds, you can see fees that are 0.1% or even lower. And Yes, even if a fund performs well, your fund went up 8% in a year, 10%, you would still have to take into account your expense ratio fees into your capital gain. And the second one, performance. Now, it has been noticed that mutual funds in the short term are able to outperform index funds and ETFs. But it's also been noticed that in the long term, index funds and ETFs that are being used as the benchmark, so for example, an index fund that mirrors the S&P 500, over the long term, those have widely outperformed mutual funds. 
And then even if you look at the mutual fund, take on that expensive expense ratio also. When it comes to bond investing, all you have to think about it is as you're giving out your money and you're getting interest payments back and at the end you get your invested capital back. So a corporation could go the stock market route in order to get money and do a initial public offering or they could also go the loan route and even a governmental institution. So with a governmental institution, for example, you give your money out to them, your capital, and they will tell you, okay, I owe you. So I'm getting your capital. While I'm holding on to your capital, I'm going to give you interest payments on a frequent basis, once every six months. And then I'm going to give you your invested capital back at a specific date, also called the maturity date. And some of the bonds that you can invest in are going to be your corporate bonds, governmental bonds, municipal bonds, which is going to be your local government, and the list goes on. Now, I like investing in a bond fund because when you invest in a bond fund, you don't have to do the research on which bonds to invest in because, yes, it's exciting to invest in individual stocks because you're doing the research and you have the hope that the stock that you're investing in is going to shoot to the moon and make you a lot of money. But with bond investing, it's a lot more stable. It's a lot more risk averse. It's more of a fixed income asset. So it's a lot more boring. When it comes to investing in bonds, I like the bond fund because I use it as a way to make passive income. On a monthly basis, I get my interest payments from my bond fund. Now, if you invest in individual bonds, you get paid every six months. But with a bond fund, because the bond fund is invested in so many different bonds, some of those are hitting the maturity date, some of those are hitting an interest payment date, so you're constantly getting paid interest on a monthly basis. And then also, if you invest in individual bonds, there will be a maturity date where you will get your invested capital back, then you have to take that capital again and then invest it in another bond. But when you invest in a bond fund, you will never have to worry about that because some of the bonds mature and then the fund manager is already invested in different bonds. So you can just hold on to your bond fund and use it as a passive income stream. So I like investing in individual companies, but I also keep my eye on some of the great index funds and ETFs that are out there because it makes my investing life easier and simpler. So if you enjoyed this episode today, go ahead and like and subscribe and I'll talk to you guys in the next one. Now, if you enjoy my content on stock market investing, then be sure to follow my podcast and check out my show notes below for exclusive premium content that will take your investing to the next level. In the show notes, I also link to my books, my Instagram so you can follow me, and my YouTube channel. I'll catch you in the next episode.